I have standards, you fuck. Hey, we have camera now. Hi. What's up? What are you looking at? Bitch. Hi. I love you. <laughs> so welcome to another episode of the Coffee Spill Podcast. Yeah. You, you weren't here for a while. No. How's that feel? I've, I'm home. Okay. <laughs> uh, before we get started, this episode is going to be a bit different because we actually have video for this episode. So if you're new to the podcast, check it out on YouTube at the Coffee Spill Podcast because our timer for today is Smash Brothers. I have, I've been training the Mario Amiibo and I have all these other Amiibos at like level one. So he's going to like kick their ass right now. And that's our timer. Oh shit. When the game's over, that means the podcast is over. So that's just gonna be playing in the background while we play or while we talk. Actually. I'm putting the volume down. So how you been? Been pretty good. Pretty good. Cooking a lot. Okay, that's good. How about you, man? I've been tired. <laughs> uh that makes two of us. Right now, the biggest thing that like that's com- that comes to mind is like Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, I don't watch. I never. I read two of the books um, out of order, so I didn't know what the hell was going on. Wait, you actually read them? Yeah, only two. Um, I I I was like, man, this is kind of boring. But then I looked back and I was like, well, dumbass, you read it. You read it out of order. So kind of, I'm kind of tempted to go back and read them in order. When did you read them? I live with you. It was it was during. It was when, uh, when I was back in high school. Well, did you read them at school? Yeah. I oh. had a friend that had them, that had the, that brought a copy once in a while. And I asked her if she could let me borrow, uh, let me borrow it reading, uh, during school. So what's it about? I don't, there's my co, one of my coworkers, they try to explain it to me. I don't understand it. So basically there's, uh, different families, different kingdoms, according to the families. And these kingdoms are kind of rival, uh, rivaling. They're turning against each other. A few enemies become friends. You know, it's the show basically is the definition of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Sounds like Texas in the 1800s. <laughs> basically, and um, yeah, the it's 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 one of those shows where it's it to me personally. I stopped reading it because it was overly hyped, and when you over hyped something it, it kills it for me at least for, for me I, I i started hearing about it i think like in 2014 2015 mm-hmm. and it killed it for me because it got overhyped yeah exactly like that's exactly what i said like uh because i get it like there's dragons and when it comes to dragons i'm a huge sucker for that and and it's the same thing like for example fortnite and star wars i, I like star wars but the way how things have been going with Star Wars right now, it's it's uh, overdoing it. Like the nostalgia hype was there, but then after expectations happen, and they took risks, I can respect that. But I don't like how the fans were overdoing it. And coming from a Star Wars fan, I kind of drifted away from it. Even in and that sucks for me to say that because that's actually the first time I ever done that, and I'm worried about that with Marvel. Because that's been really hyped, and I've been really, really excited about with for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, for example. So, and it's, that's one of my favorite characters. So I've been like very, very worried that that's gonna happen with me with Marvel. Well, like there was like this smugness about Game of Thrones. I noticed 
it's like this culture that's like for, for me like the average viewer and if you like game of thrones this isn't like a jab at you this is just my perspective but the average viewer to me seems kind of snooty kind of snobby <laughs> yeah. and uh from what i heard the second to last episode was like was like really bad yeah and people were hating on it and i was like in like my little corner i was like <laughs> yes, yes. i heard multiple stories about and, i mean cut you and, go ahead and so uh i think the finale was yesterday yeah as we were recording this the series finale yeah and people were saying it was like it's not at all where their author wanted to go with it and basically got ruined and then I, I, there was like a an interviewer like he made a statement saying like the author i think what's his name uh george R. R. martin i think so and that guy he was like oh they didn't do what i wanted them to do and in my head i'm like why don't you finish the books that's funny because i heard a different story because they were doing so well and they were pumping out episode out of episode out of uh, episode per episode per episode they had a schedule and everything and they've been making so much money out of that show so it was reasonable and it actually made sense for them to actually uh, spend extra money and cancel the schedule for season eight because they caught up on everything and the author was actually still in the middle of writing his his next book of the game of thrones series it's basically what happens with some anime where some like for example soul eater soul eater finished the anime the show finished first before, before the manga yeah and that's why the manga is so different and that's why a lot of people prefer the manga better because they were paying attention to how the author the person who wrote the manga was writing it out as if it was a conclusion whereas in in a uh, soul eater in the show they were kind of like trying to finish it off but they were implying that no this is can this can keep going where george rr R. martin said that yeah i understand that they try to go to this route because i didn't finish it and the script was done and they didn't have more t they didn't have any time to, to finish it so george uh was like i it's not what i wanted but if the people res like the stories out of the books better and prefer that to be more canon then that's fine from what i heard is uh, he basically gave the producers a rundown and the writers a rundown yeah. of the direction he wanted everything to go in. But by that point, the the books and the, and the TV series have had diverged so much that it's like yeah. it would have taken the miracle of writing to like bring it back to what he wanted. At least that's my understanding. Like uh, this, this is coming from like mm -hmm. not a Game of Thrones fan. Like I'm not in the loop at all. Neither am I. Um, I do understand the frustration from the fans and at first i was like well this is based off of the book and you guys should know what happens but then i started but that's when it reminded me like oh wait george was basically in a hurry the dude can write as fast as he can well i he can write so fast it, I mean, it's like it's like you that's not that's not a valid argument either saying like well you read the books you, you know what to expect it's like well, what about the Infinity War? People read the comics. It's like, you you know what to expect. But the movie was... I imagine the movie's different from the comic book. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I even read Jaws and saw the movie. And it, it's one of those... In fact, it's one of those stories where you would actually say that the movie is way better than the book. It's the same thing with, uh, like, Harry Potter. Like, I read the series. Several, mm -hmm. Like, the movies go a slightly different route. They do keep true to some things, but there's some things in the books where oh, I would have wanted to see that. Yeah, um, that's another, and that's another, that's my pet peeve about 
uh, novel-based films now these days. Harry Potter, they've they've executed it, executed it uh, a lot better. But the thing is, is that they've they've been around the the series and the whole franchise, the film franchise, has been going so well that they were like, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. Um, the, the, they try to do their best with the pacing and leave out what's important, more important to the story, what's not important, and if I don't. If I recall, they they even added a few scenes that isn't even in the book. Harry Potter? Yeah. It's been a while. I, I have, I'd have to read them again and watch them again, but I don't have time for that. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely, like, there are some differences. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, it'd be almost impossible and too expensive to make a page-for-page, shot-for-shot version of a book to a movie because there's so much de- there's so much more detail in a book and to put every single bit of uh, every single scene from the book into a movie would be really hard like for example i think i think in harry potter sorcerer's stone in the book mm-hmm. there's a whole chap i think there's a whole chapter where harry hermione and ron <laughs> i blanked on his name they all go to like a party with like the ghosts of the castle and that wasn't in the movies and i'm like but i was reading it in the oh, book yeah, i remember you told me that yeah and in the book, it seemed like a pretty freaking fun party where there's like a banquet and the ghosts can't eat. So yeah. instead what they do is they, they just pass over the food and they can taste it. And like the three heroes, like the three kids, they're like, oh, and they don't really want to eat it because to them it's like weird. But it's, it's I would have wanted to see that party. Now that you mentioned it, I even remember I remember you telling me that. And it was the first time or second time that I saw prisoner of azkaban and there's a scene in the movie where uh gryffindor the 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 same students it's their new year they're about to get into their dorms and this is one kid who's about to walk through a ghost and the kid the kid i guess he was able to feel the cold eeriness out of that ghost Mm -hmm. and he was like oh what the hell and the ghost was walking he was like rubbing himself like this like oh that was actually that's actually tasty the ghost wasn't phased by it and i was like was this ghost a cannibal or something he's for oh yeah i didn't even think of that yeah he was like this like no i actually hit the spot that's probably wait but i think he was walking out of the great hall so he's probably just eating too i don't or or it was a nod to the book probably um but yeah like back to like game of thrones it's it's i am tempted to watch it now since the series is now over because again the hype and the hype is going to go down people are going to be dedicated fans to that like how there's dedicated harry potter fans but i want to get into it finally to just for the sake of the story and see what the fuss is about and at the same time i also do appreciate how instead of making it into a full-blown film they actually uh take their time making making episodes and yeah there's a limit of how many episodes you can release but i never i never hear that there's any limits of 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 an episode because i I remember even times where they've made an hour and a half or even a two-hour episode for a tv show well those are more like it depends on the series because like for example the first show the first show that popped into my head um doctor who those are typically like 45 minutes to an hour like give or take a commercial break um so i mean if you extend those usually if you extend those to like a two-hour special 
That's what they are. They're they're specials. Well, also this is this was aired on HBO where there's no uh, no commercials, no commercials at all. Oh, no, that's interesting. No TV spots. So the so at that point, it's they're all game. They're like a majority of their profits would be coming from sponsors before the show and after the show, and and then also how many viewers. That's the most challenging thing. That's why HBO has their own streaming service. I'm wondering why this why they decided to. Because from what I heard was, it was the final season. There was only I think six episodes, but each each episode was longer. Yeah. And as this as each episode progressed, each episode got longer and longer until like the last one I think was like, going off the top of my head, I think it was like a, an hour and a half, almost two hours. So I'm wondering why they did it that way rather than stick to tradition, where I'm sure they would have taken their time and dragged it out more. Rather than just kind of like rush it, because from the out from the outside point of view, it does seem rushed. Yeah, like that's that's, what I, that's another yeah that's a good point. That's another segue that I that I noticed when we saw uh, the final se- the final season of Samurai Jack on Toonami. It was taking its time sh- setting up the premise of Samurai of Samurai Jack himself and the situation of this of his entire adventure, and you start to see how. It's dark. It's serious. It's no longer a fun adventure story where it's him trying to find his way home. He's given up. He's suicidal. He's <laughs> in a very, very dark spot and has this terrible sense of guilt inside of him. But then as it progresses, it starts to get like a little bit closer to the point and you start to connect with Jack and uh, what's her name again? Ashi. Was that her name? Yeah. I was going to say Aki or something. Yeah. <laughs> her name is Ashi. And uh, they start to connect even together. and But then it, towards the very, very end, it became a little bit like they just wanted to finish it. Like, this is this is their last episode. This is the budget. Finish it. And that's it. It was 12 episodes, right? I think. I think I thought it was 10. It was like somewhere in the somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, Samurai Jack, the final season, was interesting because... Uh, Watching it on like Boomerang or when it comes down to Nami, whenever, uh, if you see like the earlier seasons, like yeah, the very first few episodes, they're like back to back, basically like following how Jack got into the future. Mm-hmm. But then, as it progresses, it's like yeah, there's an order to them, and you can see his growth as a person. But it feels like what's the what's the adventure for this week, where Sure, there's progression, but mm-hmm. do you see what I'm trying to say? Filler. It, it's kind of like filler, yeah. but you can see him trying to get to his ultimate goal. But with the final season, uh, obviously each episode was like, you have to watch them in order or you won't get anything. Whereas you can pretty much jump into like any episode of Samurai Jack and just kind of like go from there because there's arcs, but there's no super heavy continuation. Yeah. In fact, the there's one episode where uh samurai jack meets this big buff blue dude with these red sunglasses oh yeah and he has this really deep uh this really deep smooth masculine black voice it's like a jazz it's a jazzy voice yeah and i heard that voice numerous times it's the same voice actor i don't know who's i don't know who his name i don't even know how he looks like um but he's he's voiced a lot of characters he uh, he's voiced a lot of characters on that show yeah uh, a lot of a lot of tsunami. I mean, uh, what's the what's the 
Gendy, his, that's the artist's name. The guy who created the uh, Samurai Jack world, Dexter's Laboratory. Um, he even did Hotel Transylvania, Transylvania, by the way. Oh, did he? Yeah. That was his art style, his story, everything in that movie. That was him. Oh, yeah. I guess if I think about it, it does look familiar. Yeah. You, you ever thought of that? Like, I, I look at it and it was like, this looks very familiar and nostalgic in a way. I knew that when I saw those trailers, I'd be like, something feels like really familiar about this. Yeah. So anyway, like, there's an episode where Jack fights him and Jack is really holding his own until the end and he gets beaten to a pulp. Like, he gets beaten up almost to a point near death. Mm-hmm. And the portal out of nowhere starts talking to the big blue guy. And he was like, oh, okay. Like, that's, that's a good point. As if the portal told him something like he's not ready to go back. This isn't. It's almost like a Doctor Strange moment where this a few chain of events need to happen in order for this to happen. And so the guy, the blue guy calls like some sort of animal and tells him to pick up Jack and take him away somewhere far well, he won't know where this portal is. And he says, like, you're not ready yet, Jack. And, and then, then he the, turns to the portal. Yeah. And it's Samurai Jack, old. I think he lost an arm and has a robotic arm. It's like Future Jack. Yeah, and he looks older. He has a thick beard. He's kind of like, instead of a samurai armor, I mean, a samurai uh, attire, he has, like, this modern uh, Viking knight From what I remember, it's, like, it's more like a warlord thing. Yeah, like, he became, like, a ruler or a general. I'm kind of disappointed that that whole that didn't come in, back into like the final season yeah like i was like only one season and it's like yeah he finally get got to tell his story but i wanted more like i really wanted to see more of it didn't you say there was like a continuation comic i think i heard from somewhere i had to look into that hey, even the guy the creator said that he he finished telling his story but he kind of you could kind of see it in certain episodes, at certain spots, and certain points in the in the show, in the whole show itself, that he kind of left it open for anybody who wants to uh, touch on that arc, on the on the lore of Samurai Jack. Like he wants to, if anybody wants to continue a story, maybe spread the universe of Samurai Jack. He said, "Yeah, yeah, go for it," because there's even subtle Easter eggs implying. Even some of the creators say that. I mean, the creators, the writers would say like, "Yeah." Samurai Jack is actually taking place thousands of years before Dexter's Laboratory. Some have said that, and it's like, you're probably just pulling our strings just to poke fun of it, like maybe something could happen, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, what's the word? Hoping for anything at that point, at this point. You're not open for anything? I'm not hoping anything at this moment. Oh, like, you're not, you're not too hopeful. You're just like, mm. yeah, it's like, okay. Well, yeah, because like, that's a cool jab there. I think first episode or second episode. But, like, when he shows up to the future, one of the dogs is, like, he looks like a dog that appears repeatedly in the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, that's what I noticed, too. Or, like, there'll be just, like, billboards that are, like, broken down. Mm. And whatever advertisement was on there, it shows up in the Powerpuff Girls. Or even it's implied that, like, one of the destroyed cities is Townsville. Yeah, there's even one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that. I remember that too. Um, there's even one episode where um, I think there's like this big giant thing was eclipsing the sun, and they were showing a few shots of innocent bystanders and civilians looking at, uh, looking at that this big thing in the Powerpuff Girls, 
and one of the one of the civilians was actually Dexter. He was actually in Townsville looking up. Oh, really? That was like like detail by detail, the care and everything. It was Dexter. Dexter. I wonder. Well, because I know there were some video games. Yeah. And in the video, especially there was an, like an, there was an online video game where like all the Cartoon Network characters of the time they got together and like you could interact with them. But I'm wondering if like in the lore of Cartoon Network in general, if they're all connected, kind of like Smash Brothers. Like I think yeah. I think Nintendo confirmed that um, there is a Nintendo verse, and there is a world where like there's Pokemon. There's a world where like it's the Mario world, and there's like they, they, they confirmed it. Yeah, and actually, nice segue that um, the the writers of Detective Pikachu. I think I told you about this. They're open to to make a Smash Brothers universe, but oh I, yeah, I, you did tell me about this. But yeah, but I'm like, I don't want action live. I don't know if I want that. Uh, I'd want like we talked about this a little bit. I'd want it to be animated. Yeah, but I don't know how well they could do it with half over half the roster. Like they don't speak. Like it's the only thing that Mar really does is like a few catchphrases. But he doesn't really talk. Or like Link, he just yells and grunts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's like there are some characters and I can guarantee you they it's like it's 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 uh, challenging writing cuz there are some characters that talk and there's some that don't, but then there's also like the Pokémon. It would make sense, you know, if Red was actually in it, who he can talk for these Pokémon and it, it helps progress the plot more and the Pokemon are in unison agreement with that. Like they're like, they, they work so well together, the Pokemon with their master, such as red or Ash, whoever they want to put in. And I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they would put red in maybe for pure, uh, pure, pure fan service, which is, a, which is another thing. Like, like, uh, there's so much, I mean, from the colors and then also the visuals, there's so much that you, they can do out of it. But the issue is, is, yeah, like the the lack of dialogue for some of these characters. And if they actually even tried to let the characters talk that don't talk, it'd be kind of challenging and risky take. Well, I mean, I'm sure like, Sorry. I'm sure like if they got the right, I think I think one of the biggest um, one of the biggest risks is the voice acting, the voice actors, because, like for example, Ryan Reynolds, I never would have in a million years pictured him voicing Pikachu. Like, you could have told me that five years ago. I would have been like, you're fucking insane. That doesn't make any sense. But it happened, and it's in theaters right now. And he's killing it. And so I can definitely see them taking liberties as long as they pick the right voice actors. Because there was the Mario show back in, like, I think it was, like, the early 90s. Yeah, he had this really deep uh, masculine... Uh, no, he had like like uh, I'm not even gonna try it, but he had like this like Italian New Yorker accent. Yeah, with Louis, and like they all had voices. Yeah, and then um, there was a a link, a, a Legend of Zelda show, or video game. Yeah, what? it was a TV show. It looked weird. Yeah, um, so I mean, like giving them dialogue wouldn't be like too far fetched, especially because it is implied in some games that they do talk. Mm-hmm. For example, like. Um, Paper Mario. It's an example. Paper Mario. He doesn't talk at all. He has no dialogue. Yeah. But characters react to him as if he did talk. Yeah. So I mean, giving them voices wouldn't be too far fetched. It's just 
I think the biggest issue is what would they sound like? What would they say? How would they behave with dialogue? Because yeah. most of these characters, we just know them through grunts and reactions. Yeah, I totally get that. Because even um, one of the voice actors, uh, his name Kevin Conroy, who voices Batman constantly. He is the guy who voices Batman a lot. Oh, he's the one for like the original animated series. Yeah, from the animated series, the Arkham games, some of the newer TV shows, and and uh, as well as uh, video games. He himself feels like he knows the character well enough where when he reads the script, he can immediately uh, re rephrase uh, the dialogue in a, in a different interpretation that makes it sound like, yeah, that's exactly what he would say. Mm-hmm. And when he would, sometimes he will even take that risk and say like, yeah, this sounds like, it doesn't sound like he would say that, but it's new and fresh. I'm going to try it. And his fans will call him out and say like, this isn't something what he would say. Like, I don't feel like that's a good thing. But then he's like, shut the fuck up. I'm Batman. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, but like he even said it himself in one of the, in one interview where he says, and I quote that I've been doing the character for almost for almost uh, 20 years, the audience know him a lot better than I do. Mm-hmm. And they would know if an, they would know in, within a second if I did something inauthentic and they call me out on it. And I think it's cool and yet also a bit uh, selfish at the same time because, yeah, you, you you understand how Batman is. Like there's a certain aura, there's a, there's a, there's a status of the character. However he's not real and you want to like the way you said that he's not real <laughs> yeah. it's like you're talking to like a kid like he's not real <laughs> like it's because because i mean like it's it's a common argument that everybody says and everybody hates it hates it hates it when i when when people say that was that if characters aren't real well yeah i mean like he's not real you know that right <laughs> <laughs> you know and then, and then, and then they'll be like and then they'll just complain like, fuck he's, you, he's more human than you. He's real to me. <laughs> he saved my mom. Look, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, and I even know he's not real. And I still wish I want to be like him. <laughs> he's not real? <laughs> what the fuck, man? Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> like, again, he's, he's, what was I going to say? Fictional characters, they have an initial attitude, but that doesn't mean that they're not versatile. So, sometimes when you're trying to, I don't even know where I'm going with this, honestly. Well, like, let me chime in here. So, I think I kind of know what you're going with. So, it's like, there's like the base form of a character, like, since since we're on DC, Superman. Mm-hmm. There are so many versions of that character. Even Spider-Man. There's so yeah. many versions of these characters. and But, like, everybody knows, collectively... There are certain traits that these characters have that make them who they are. Superman can fly. He's really strong. He's from Krypton. He's weak to kryptonite. He's powered by the sun. Um, he has heat vision. You know, all these like general things. But the way they behave and the the things that they do from there it d- depends on the the directing and the uh, the writing of these of and when I say the, the direction, I mean I mean like the the comic book directing. I don't mean yeah. the I don't mean the movies, more but like also the animated series or the movies. Um, but yeah, the way that these characters behave, it typically comes down to the the writing and the directing, and that's where people get mad because sometimes they want to be experimental with it, mm-hmm. 
and some people, some people might be on board with it, others might hate it. Kind of like when um, Batman used a fucking gun, or he killed in <laughs> yeah. in, in BVS. It's like we kind of we did get like a, a basic form of Batman, but then it took it to a different direction, and that's when people get like kind of mad because it's like, oh, this isn't the real Batman. This isn't what he would do. But then it's like. Well, you're right. That's not what the Batman you know would do, but that's what this Batman does. This Batman is not the Batman you know. Yeah, and at the same time with that argument, they also mentioned like, well, something triggered him to do this because he's obviously, he would never do this. But then they will mention the comics saying that, well, he killed because of this reason. He killed because of this reason. The Joker finally cracked him because, and that's why he killed and this and that. Like, there's reasons there's good reasons why he has to do it and people will think that there's not much going on enough reasoning of why he would do it and honestly if you look at if you look clearly at the film for example it's it's pretty clear you know he he's he's taking drugs he's drinking it looks like he's he has he has clinical depression because he's got so much so many pills there and i'm pretty sure that half of those pills are even meant to treat his his arthritis because he's constantly because because in the film it says that he's been doing it for 20 years yeah so he's probably broken a few, broken a few bones and he has to treat them so and then he's also again he's drinking and he's uh still has this really bad sense of like guilt and yet also hate so you know there's there's story behind it that you want to know about it which makes you think that okay somewhere along the line Something broke you, and this made you lose hope and not give a shit and kill these people. Yeah, rather than be annoyed at, or be angered at the fact that, oh, Batman doesn't kill, blah, 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 it's like, think of, like, what it took to make him break that rule. Yeah. Because like, it's like, in the comics, he has plenty of options or, or plenty of opportunity to cross that line. Yeah. But so then it's like, but but he, like, he's always, like, had this the will to not do it. So just thinking about, like, what did what pushed you? That's I think that's pretty interesting too. Like, what did it take to, to do that? Yeah, I had this friend who told me like, like, like I didn't like it because Batman killed, and there was no reason why. And it's like again, this is Zack Snyder. What we're talking about, he's good at presenting detailed visuals. That sometimes, and this is what I this is what uh, this is a bigger pet peeve of mine in film, where you want the film to tell you why, but you don't want it to be obvious to make you feel stupid. Like this is what's going on and it's telling it to your face and it makes you feel like okay i get it this is what's going on but instead you provide visuals you provide detail you they present body language emotions attitude and again i told my friend like watch it again and and watch frame by frame detail by detail on the film because again this is this is zach snyder we're talking about yeah i think we had this conversation when we walked out of bbs like we walked out of it and i know what you thought but I I was thinking like you were iffy the moment we got out. Yeah, I was like I was like eh, kind of like half half like cause I, I saw the plot holes, especially like the biggest one that like that comes to my mind, and the one that I always bring up. And you know you know what I'm about to say. Yeah. <laughs> how the fuck does Lex Luthor know? <laughs> like I don't understand how he knows. I've seen that movie like like five times. I have no <laughs> idea how Lex Luthor knows. How, how how Superman is Clark Kent? Yeah. Like, how does he know? Like what the fuck? <laughs> And I hate, that's the biggest issue I have. Um, but 
um, some of the biggest complaints that I saw had to do with like people not understanding who these characters are. Yeah. And then <clears throat> there's people that argue saying like, well, you should make a movie for like general audience, but then it's like, but it's DC. Like who, who are these movies for? Yeah. They're for the fans. And so the fans are the ones that are going to understand and really be on board with these movies. Somebody who isn't a fan of Batman or even remotely knows either character. Thank you. Um, they're not going to understand what's, what's going on. So when I, when like coming out of BVS, sure, there's plot holes. Sure. There's really weird moments. Yeah. And you're, that you question like, why did that have to be in the movie? But, <coughs> um, and it, this isn't like a defense, like, but if you overlook it, it's not as bad of a movie as people make out to be. This, no, it's, it's, a, it's a fun movie. It's still fun. It's beautifully shot. It's yeah, it has, it's dark, but at the same time, it's it's beautifully beautifully uh, visualized and presented, and that's a, that's my personal criticism to to Marvel. Where yeah, they'll have these wide shots, they'll show these beautiful visuals in in film in their films, but when you look at Star Wars, as bad as the Last Jedi may be. Um, how do you know you haven't seen it? I know I haven't seen it, but I mean I keep hearing a lot of complaints now. <laughs> um, but despite despite what critics say, I I look at the I look at uh, certain shots. I even saw like some some cutscenes, and it has beautiful shots, real environmental shots, and well, also I don't think that the issue with uh, Last Jedi comes from shots. Well, I think it comes from like the story perspective. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, obviously there's a story, but. Okay, that's another that's that's another thing that I would love and appreciate is the, if as long as the story is properly executed and properly written and it has a perfect beginning, a decent middle and a and a phenomenal ending. At that point, go go uh go all out in in visuals, you know. And I always, me I I actually would really appreciate if studios really really dedicated some time and and like they are pretty like they're reasonable with their money like they'll fund the director they'll fund other studios yeah here's here's the money you can pay us back and i get that like they're good with giving amount a certain amount of money for the film i personally wish that they could actually take their time a little bit more into it into their visual effects their cinematography Maybe add a few things here and there to make it more, to provide more uh, depth for the film. It's harder when it comes to bigger studios because the studios, they want results like within a certain time frame. And it's like, sure, you can have the money in the world. You can have all the money in the world. But as long as you're constrained on time and you have to like really make your employees work hard on getting what you want. It's going to be really hard. I get. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And, and I know that like, you know, time is money. And uh, they're on a very, very tight schedule. And I've seen videos and documentaries of how directors work. They're, they have that same attitude that I've seen in the kitchen. They got to make things go. They have to make moves. They have to take these risks and it's not, make it's it work. Not, it's not even always the director, though. It's like, well, I mean, sure, the director's the one that's, like, calling the shots or, like... Yeah, he knows what he wants. But it's, like, it's the assistant director that's, like... Move it, move it! Come on, get the get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I, I saw uh, behind the scenes of Transformers Two, for example, and the director Michael Bay. He would come in, 
and he would like tell them to do this to do that set up explosives and he's always telling them to hurry up really quickly and when the explosions and the, the action scene is done when the takes are done he'll actually immediately just get off of his director director's chair take off his headphones and he walks away and immediately gets in his car and starts to make phone calls immediately and he's leaving the rest of the crew to just pick up the pieces clean up the mess let the actors take the rest have lunch breaks and all that he has to go and because he's probably has another movie in the works he or, probably has or, a, he or probably has another script to write oh there's probably another scene that they're shooting like right down the street yeah or, another, or whatever yeah. yeah that's another thing like they're probably setting up the scene uh the set for another scene that's immediately ready to go over there which is another thing more employees more more equipment more pyrotechnics, for example, because that's an action film. Yeah, it just depends on what the movie is. Yeah, and again, like again, like I get it. You're you're trying to save money, but at the same time, like I, as a moviegoer who also love who really loves film, um, as as a pure enjoyment, I actually would appreciate if they take their time. Yeah, but like, there's you 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 can say that like take your time and and like let like. You can like you can talk to the studios and say let the directors do what they want or do what they need to do, but even then it's like even even working on like short films, uh, with friends or like small skits that I've helped be on mm-hmm. or help record, even small scale stuff, uh, stuff goes wrong all the time and True. stuff you wouldn't even think that goes wrong, and it's not always just the, it's not always the studio's fault. It's sometimes stuff that happens on set. Sometimes whatever vision that the director has, that the writer has, that the director of photography has, whatever d- visual design they're thinking about, it doesn't always come out. It doesn't, it doesn't always come out the way you think it's going to come out. It doesn't always happen the way you want it to. But you do your best to get at least 90% of the way to what you imagined. Um, because it's not perfect. It's not always perfect. That that you brought that up, that actually immediately reminded me of how jaws was produced wrap up this point because we're almost out of time oh shit well yeah just finish this point and then yeah i remember you telling me not yeah not you telling me like what you just said i was watching a documentary of how jaws was created and they all they all kept saying that this is the film that pretty much almost ended steven spielberg's career before it even started because oh i would love to like research this a bit and talk about this because i think jaws is like a very interesting it was it's, it's really cool i could save you the trip if you don't mind like so steven spielberg at that time he was like around 26 years old mm-hmm. like he's the same age as you like or, i mean actually, now they know now they know <laughs> i mean he, i mean it's still young I'm, 20, so, I'm 25 by the way all right good correction anyway he's he, he already directed like about two films at the time but they weren't like big blockbuster films at least the term blockbuster didn't even exist at the time they were like independent films yeah um he did he directed a movie called duel which is like this demonic truck that kills people <laughs> i'm not kidding <laughs> it's it's actually kind of interesting but anyway they the they uh the movie jaws was published the, the not the movie the book and they people it was knocking out all other books out of the out of the uh out of the lists out of the water out of the water basically and it's selling a lot of copies and people are so interested in it and people were thinking like this never would work out like nobody thought that a movie about a shark i mean a book about a shark attacking people how would that work you know it's pretty logical just don't get in the water (laughs) but but 
But then, you know, Peter Bensley, the author, wrote a really cohesive story, at least in the novel. Steven Spielberg, then they thought, okay, let's write the script for the movie because people are very, very interested in it. So then they started trying to look for directors. Nobody would do it. They started to look for actors. Nobody would do it. Some of them owed money to the IRS. Others were felons. Others just couldn't do it. Others were too busy. Um, one, one actor said, like, uh, oh, I prefer to actually fish for real fish, not a, not a robotic shark, <laughs> which is like a mean thing to say. But anyway, they finally chose Steven Spielberg, and he didn't want to do it at first. And he finally took the script, and he started to uh, present his ideas. He barely had a script of his own to put in his own ideas. And he took it to a, a comedic writer and told him to eviscerate it, <laughs> I quote. And the like, studio... Like, 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 really, like, tell him what was wrong with it? Yeah, like, help me out here, try to make it funny, make it some... Give it some nice... Basically... Make it like how Marvel is. It has some great action, but it's also funny and has and it pulls on your pulls on your strings at points. Um, so at one at a certain point, um, they. But to to make it basically to put make it short so that way you can research it yourself. It almost as if the, the studio Universal Studios were trying to sabotage this whole thing. They they didn't want Steven Spielberg to succeed. And he even recalls Spielberg himself recalls that yeah this is a. Cool, Mario won. He recalls that, yeah. That's Luigi, you fuck. He let himself go. <laughs> um, but he even himself admits that this was a pretty traumatic production for me. Like, he himself still gets nightmares. And it turned out to be, like, one of the one of the greatest films in history. The, the movie that pretty much defined the term blockbuster. Because it literally busted the block after block after block. We, after should, watch it. we should watch it again. I want to see it now. Jaws? It, it kind of holds up. It... It does. I mean, yeah. Despite the how, it's still it's still a pretty, a pretty the shark is. It's still a pretty like eerie suspense movie. Yeah, and it's not like Stop. horror. I know it's very adventurous. I know you want to keep talking about it, but the fight's over. And Luigi won. <laughs> I would have thought that Little Mac was gonna come in last. <laughs> I'm surprised he came in third. He did pretty good, buddy. Nice. Anyway, um, I would like to keep talking about Jaws. Uh, maybe we should watch it so that we can talk about it more. Cause I think we can make of, a Jaws review. There's a lot of interesting things when it comes to like what happened, what it took to make Jaws. It's a very interesting movie or end story to, to learn about. I'll show you the documentary. Yeah. So, um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, um, subscribe to YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, um, if you're listening to the audio version, we do have the video version. If you want to see our pretty faces <laughs> uh anything you want to say um no not really okay so we'll see you guys next time and we're gonna try to keep the video up hopefully that works out baby okay bye yep okay, thank you man <laughs>